0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, I want to revisit what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, just here in the beginning to try to maybe clarify a few things. So Last two weeks, we've, we've talked about these two things. First is the idea of going all in with Jesus and what might that mean in our lives. And then with the statement that I am going to do whatever it takes to accomplish what God has given me to do, even if it kills me. And I had some conversations this week a little bit, maybe a little few nervous conversations about even if it kills me. And, and, you know, the reality is, is that probably most of us, maybe none of us here will ever be put in a position where we have to die for our faith, right? Uh, we did talk a little bit at the end last week about um, the idea of having to die to self and saying no to things that maybe we might want to do. And that's part of it. But here's what I mean to communicate by this. It's the idea, if you say, even if it kills me, I'm all in with the Lord. Even if it kills me, what I'm saying is to the very end, right? I'm saying no matter what happens, that's what's intended by that. And yes, as we've seen, there are people in the world who end up actually dying for their faith. And so that's what I'm talking about. Now, I also had a conversation with a man who, to me, is I I know this man. I I interact with him on a regular basis about spiritual things. and, And he was saying to me that while you were preaching, I was thinking, man, I don't think I'm really all in with Jesus. And, you know, kind of struggling with that. And I'm saying, what do you mean? You're all in with Jesus. I, can, I know. I know you. He said, well, not really. And we are kind of talking about it. And so we had a really good conversation that helped to clarify for me. Here's a couple of things that going all in with Jesus does not mean. Okay. First of all is this. It is not about being perfect and never messing up. All right. Because, yes, from moment to moment you evaluate and say, Am oh, I all in with Jesus? Am I really living this way? Well, you know, sometimes you aren't. It, we just, you know, it, it isn't about being perfect. It's, we never have to be perfect because Jesus was, right? He lived that perfect and sinless life. And, we got his righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean we don't grow. We should grow. We should try to do better at this. But this idea all in with Jesus is not about being perfect, never messing up. Second thing, it's not about thinking Christian thoughts every moment of every day or being busy in ministry every available moment. That's not what we're talking about either. Uh, and, and what happens is when we start feeling this way, oh, I got to always be right and always got to be busy. I always got to think this way. Next thing you know we're gonna see as we get into the day that we are not walking in the spirit, we're walking in the flesh. And we're thinking, oh, this all depends on me and how well I do. And No, never gonna work. You will exhaust yourself. And that's not the Lord's intent. The Lord says, come to me, I'll give you what? Rest, okay? So it's not about these things. So what is it about then? Okay, what it's about is a once in a lifetime decision which progressively governs more and more of your life. That makes sense? And once in a lifetime decision, what do you mean? Don't I have to decide? What you have to do is is you make this decision, commitment to the Lord. And I've shared with you the time when I did this. But then you got to remember tomorrow (laughs) that I made that commitment. And the Lord will remind you that you made this commitment. There are lots of ways He does that. And so we keep going through life and hopefully... The plan is that more and more we, we do a better job. Now, let me give you some quick illustrations here to help you understand this idea that you've made this big decision and now you're learning to live it out. How about getting married? Those of you who are married today, did you really understand what you were doing when you got married? Did you think you did? Yeah, but you, you didn't. <laughs> right. Lots of things you didn't know. And I understand sometimes marriage has ended in divorce and some of you have been in that situation. But let's talk about this idea of the way God intends marriage to be. We come together and we make, we make this commitment to each other and that's a once in a lifetime commitment, isn't it? It's, we're saying, till death do us part, right? That's what we're saying when we make that commitment. And then, you know, you go through the, you know, the honeymoon period, that's great, and then on down the line. And, and all of a sudden one day, you don't really Do a good job of it, right? You mess up. You you were thinking of yourself and you weren't thinking of your spouse and and you did something, you didn't ask, you didn't talk, whatever, all the mess that can happen there. Were you still married? It's not not a trick question. Were you still (laughs) married? You were, weren't you? You were still married and you needed to do a better job of it and you learned something hopefully and maybe next time you did a little better. And so that's, that's the same kind of idea. We made this all in commitment. It's so really the same thing of when we receive Christ as Savior. You know, we've talked about this. We receive Christ as Savior. This is our timeline of our lives. We receive him as Savior. And then, you know, he's working out into our lives these truths. But once you've come to the Lord and say to him, Lord, I, I have sinned against you. Uh, and I haven't lived the way that you want me to live. I might be better than a lot of people, but I'm not nearly as good as you. And that's the problem his standard's perfection. And so you realize that and you, you come to him and say, I believe Jesus died for my sins, rose again. And right now I receive his payment for my sins, right? He died on the cross paying the penalty for all of my sins. And I receive Christ, that means all of my sins are paid for. And, and he gives me eternal life and he moves in, okay? And I am now saved, saved from the penalty of sin for how long? Forever. That's right. And he's going to take me through life. And eventually he's going to take me to be with him. Okay. And, and we saw in the beginning of Philippians. That the one who started that work is going to do what? He's going to finish it. And so we are saved forever. So here I am walking through life. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm just kind of. I'm doing my own thing. I'm not really thinking about what I'm, how I'm supposed to be living or whatever. And I go, oh. And maybe it even resulted in me making a sinful choice. Or having sinful hard attitudes, whatever. Am I still saved? I'm still saved. That's right. And what I want to do is learn to live like a saved person more and more. Remember, we're, we're saints who are learning not to sin is what happened. He's made us holy people. And so it is um, about being all in with him. And, and go ahead and skip two slides or to the, to the um, Ronx PA slide, if you would. All in. Okay, let me tell you a little story. Uh, Earlier this year, we had four of our ladies get in a car here at the church one morning and leave for Ronk's PA. Now, that's where the uh, Sight and Sound Theater is and and Christian presentation, really awesome things. But anyway, they got in it. My wife and I got in our car and we headed out too at the same time. And as we talked to them along the way, hey, where are you? We don't know. Really? Well, the sign says something about Scranton. And that's up here, and they're supposed to be headed down here. And then they took turns, and then they, they didn't know where they were, you know. And I think Glenn and I made it in about six hours, and they showed up three hours later finally. And uh, whatever. I, I'm, keeping, I'm not telling you their names, okay? <laughs> but here's the thing. They set out for Ronks, PA, and that was where they were headed even when they made the wrong turns, right? They were headed somewhere. And so this is what we're talking about, being all in and no matter what, and we're going forward. It's a a decision we make to surrender, really big surrender to the Lord. And then, like I said, we progressively learn to live that out. So all in. And then we said that this is a life that every Christian is called to. This is not just for the missionary or the pastor or some special person. This is the way we're all called as Christians to live. All in. And it's a decision that we all need to make. I I really want to encourage you. If you haven't made that decision, you can do it right now between you and God. Or if you want to think about whatever you need to do, but say, okay, God, I'm making a decision. Going all in with you, whatever that means, wherever it takes me, whatever you want to do in my life. But you're going to have to show me and you're going to have to enable me. okay? But you go all in. Now, when we start thinking about living all in, like I said, if we aren't careful, we can start to get a little overwhelmed with this. This is a huge thing. How do I do this? You know, And we got to chill from that. Remember, rest in the Lord. But nonetheless, there is this sense of, you know, every day I need to live this way. 10 years from today, I still need to be living this way. Until the end of my life, I need to be living this way. And you could, if you aren't careful, you could sit here and think about, man, I feel tired already. So we go all in, here's the question. Where does the motivation come from to keep living this way? And uh, this is what we're gonna see in the scripture today. Where's the motivation? What do we need to do to stay motivated in this? And boy, we could probably have lots of sermons on that. But we're going to look and see what Paul said here in Philippians chapter 3. Let's talk about motivation to keep going. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. It's page 1350 in the Bible that's under the chairs in front of you. And if you don't have your own Bible, we really encourage you to pick that up and follow along. It'll be helpful to you. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, the Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that your spirit would help us to understand it now. And that you'd speak to us individually, Lord, about what these things mean in our lives. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do we stay motivated? Um, somebody, tell me something. What is a task you have to do on a regular basis that you really don't like? Somebody. Mow the lawn, mow the lawn. yes. Okay. So mow the lawn. Now, that means that, you know, you think, oh, you know, wait, I, I need to get this lawn mowed, but it's going to rain tomorrow. Oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. Okay, I don't have to do it. Uh, you know, eventually you've got to do it, but what if, Hang on a second. So, somebody tell me something that you always love to do. What? Food shopping? shopping? (laughs) Eat the food. food. Okay, I hear uh, votes for eat the food. Okay. Some special food that you always, oh, man, when we have that meal or that dessert, man, this is so awesome. I love this. Okay. Which of these are you always ready to do? Eat. Eat not mow the lawn, right? So what if we could swap this, because you really do need to mow the lawn, but what if all of a sudden you began to look and, and change your mind about mowing the lawn? And, wow, this is so cool. I get to get this, this machine out and tweak it and play with it and, make, and get it to go run, you know, and, and, and then get to go and I make these cool lines and I try to make it look like the Red Sox outfield and, and I love this, it's done and you're just, oh man, I feel so fulfilled. Then you, when you would like to mow the lawn, right? I mean, and I don't know how you'd change your mind about that. But the idea is what I want you to see is that we need to start seeing that this living all in with the Lord is like that. That at first, we, we, by nature, we don't think it sounds that great, that exciting. I've got to give up this or I've got to do this all the time. But when we start to say, wait a minute, No. All in the Lord, I get, I get to have this kind of relationship with him. I get to experience these kinds of things in my life. And, and I have this deep satisfaction. All these things, right? It can begin to change our perspective, okay? And this is what Paul tells us here right in the beginning of this passage. So he says here, finally. Now, I kind of chuckle this because I'm thinking, Paul must have been a Baptist preacher. Because he said, finally, and he still has 40% of his message to go. <laughs> So I looked at this word finally in the, the Greek language, which it's translated from. And it, it, it can mean that. But really what it means more is, okay, in light of all of these things, here's what we need to see. Okay? So that's what he's telling us here. In light of this idea of going all in and trying to, how do I maintain that? And Paul says, okay, so let's, let's look at it. And he says this. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in mowing the lawn. Right? Rejoice in the Lord and your relationship with Him. This word, rejoice, uh, means to choose. It's about a choice, a choice to be joyful. So you can remember that, rejoice, choice, rhyme, right? So if you're rejoicing in something, you've made a choice to be joyful about something. And so what do we mean when we talk about joy? Well, joy is this deep sense of satisfaction. Okay, it's a deep down sense of satisfaction grounded in a relationship with God and all that goes with it. This is where joy comes from. Lots of things can make us happy in life, right? But those things tend to come and go, don't they? You know, one day we can be happy about something, the next day not. Sometimes we can be happy one day about the same thing and the next day unhappy with it. Uh, And so happiness is fleeting, happiness is emotion coming and going, but joy is different than that. Joy is this deep down inside thing where I have this satisfaction because I have a, I have a relationship with God. And that's where he, he moved in, right? And all the things that go along with that. This is cool. This is why when you get the news that you have cancer, that you can still have joy. Because your joy is not dependent on these circumstances. It's dependent on your relationship with God. You know, you get the news. Uh, they call you in and say, uh, we're letting you go. We're downsizing and you're, you're gone. Man, (laughs) some of you might have a job, you jump for joy. But not most people, right? And so you're going to say, how do I have joy? Well, you have a joy because deep down inside, I have a relationship with God and everything that goes with it. And what does God promise to do? He promises, I seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness that he's going to provide for me. He promises that. Paul tells the the Philippians, because they've been great, uh, generous in in, uh, serving the Lord, he says, God is going to supply your need. So I have that downside, so I can still have joy. I can have that sense of joy and peace that goes in there. So, so uh, rejoicing is making a choice to be joyful, and joy is this deep satisfaction because of our relationship with God. So when we say, when He says, rejoice in what the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. What does He mean? He's telling us this, and these are the, we're going to look at three of these things today uh, that will help us to continue. First one is this, find your deepest satisfaction in your relationship with God and all that goes with it. What are you looking for in life? What are you looking forward to in life? Now we have grandkids and that is awesome. That is amazing. And my wife loves my grandkids more than she loves me. No, no, I'm kidding. That's not, I don't think it's true. Okay. That's something great to look forward to. But the reality is, is that while she finds all sorts of satisfaction there, that's not her deepest satisfaction. Her deepest satisfaction is found in her relationship with the Lord. And when you do that, those grandkids become even a greater blessing, or whatever else it is in your life. I think you get the idea is you're choosing to say, What I have with God, that is the most valuable thing to me. Now, you may not see that yet. That may be because you don't know yet. You haven't understood what the Word says. You don't yet haven't heard what the Word says. Uh, You maybe haven't really stepped out in faith and tried it yet. But this is a reality. You can find your deepest satisfaction in your relationship with God and everything that goes along with that, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, take my yoke upon you, I'll give you rest for your souls. Uh, on and on the list could go. But it's a decision you have to make. And you can't make the decision if you haven't made the all-in decision. Okay, so you make the all-in decision, then you can start on this rejoicing in the Lord decision. Now. What happens then, you've gone all in with the Lord and, and say, okay, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. This is, I'm going to look for my deepest satisfaction, not in my car, not in my house, not in my girlfriend, not in my husband, kids, grandkids, job, but in my relationship with God. When you do that, here's what happens. If you live this out, okay, you begin to base your evaluation of everything in life from the perspective of a Christian who is all in with Jesus. that makes a huge difference because if you come to a situation in life that is horrendous, right? It's it's horrendous emotionally, maybe physically, maybe relationally, and it it robs you of, of happiness and here you are and you don't have this, things can get pretty bleak, can't they? In fact, people sometimes consider ending their lives here and sometimes do. But if I'm looking at this from someone who's all in with the Lord and finding my deepest satisfaction in the Lord, I look at this differently. I might say, and excuse my language here, but this sucks. Man, I'm so glad that the Lord hasn't abandoned me. I'm so glad that I have this relationship with him and he can give me peace. Is this making sense? You guys, is it? Okay. All right, so let's continue. So that's the first one of these things about rejoicing. You look to the Lord for your joy. Okay, here in verse, three, uh, verse one, it continues. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And he says this, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. He says, I'm not tired of writing this. See, Paul has written, told them this multiple times, and he's telling them again. Okay, I'm not tired of telling you. And the reason I'm not tired of telling you is because it's safe for you. This word safe uh, literally translates out as uh, you know, being secure because you're on solid footing. So think about this with the word of God. What God has told us in his word, the wisdom that's here, uh, the insights, the revelations that are here, things we would never know if he hadn't told us. All of these things, hearing them again and again and again, reading them again and again and again, keep you with solid footing in life. Now, if you go hike a mountain, how important is solid footing? You want to find good, stuff. you know, I've been coming down a mountain before and step on a rock and the rock goes, bink. And the last time it happened to me, I started running down the mountain, not because I wanted to. And I finally stopped before I killed myself. Uh, but solid footing makes all the difference in the world. And So here it is in life. Here we are again. We're going through life and we come to this place, like I said, everything falls apart and it's terrible and we don't know how to deal with it. Uh, we've, we're looking to the Lord deep down inside. But also because we know the word of God, we are, have stable footing as we go through this. That makes a world of difference. Stable footing. We have a confidence in the things of God. We know what he says about it. We have this solid footing. So this is what Paul is saying here. All right. Let's continue. Oh, and then in verse 2, he says, beware of dogs. You say, beware of dogs? Uh, that's a sign that sometimes people put up, right? Um, but beware of dogs. He's actually talking about people here. And that sounds kind of harsh. But in Paul's day, in the time of the New Testament, unless you were rich and like a a king or an emperor or whatever, you might have dogs. Okay? Uh, The people who hunted for the king might have hunting dogs. But other than that, dogs were not pets. Dogs were wild, mongrel animals that lived and, and, you know, would... Anybody here have a really nice dog, loving dog. Now, some of you, okay, that wonderful, nice, loving dog, if it finds your sandwich where it can get it, what will it do? That nice, wonderful dog will what? Eat your sandwich. And then when you look at him, he'll go. But he'll eat it. And so this idea, this this nature where these wild dogs, they were not there for your benefit. They were there seeking whatever they get. They'd steal your food. They'd... Do whatever they had to do. They kill your cat. Cats were probably wild too. Anyway. uh, And so he's talking about people, and he's talking about a specific group of people. Let me stop, let me step back and say that. He's talking about a group of people who were probably not even Christian. They had outwardly kind of accepted the idea that Jesus was the Messiah, and they said, all well and good. Yes, you want to believe in Jesus, that's good. And these talking to Gentiles, people who were not Jews, it's okay, we're really glad that you've come to believe that Jesus is Messiah. Now you need to become a Jew. Okay, because Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Now you need to become Jewish. This means you have to start following all the rules of the Jewish law. And you have to, if you're a man, you have to get circumcised. Now I just thought about that, That you know, if, if we had part of our membership class saying, okay, you got to be circumcised. Who wants to sign up? So later in Acts, they deal with that. And that wasn't part of him, but he said these people, and this is what he's talking about, the dogs, the evil workers, the circumcision. Actually calls them, look at this, what's he called them? The mutilators of the flesh. Beware of the mutilation. And what he means here is the circumcision doesn't do anything for you spiritually. If you were a Jew, it was part of your law. Yes, you should have done that, but be has nothing to do with having a relationship with God. That's something else. And he talks about that in verse three. He says, for we are the circumcision We are the people of God. Because that's the way the Jews refer to themselves. We are the circumcision. And Paul says, no, no, no. We are who? We are the ones who worship God in the spirit, not with rules, not with religious rites. We worship him from the spirit and we have no, we rejoice in Christ Jesus. This is about a relationship, right? They said, we have a relationship with God. So beware of these people who are gonna pull you away from the idea of the relationship into the duties and the rules. Don't, don't, you know, beware of that. That'll rob you of your joy and and it's more than that as we'll see. And rejoice in Christ Jesus. And then he says, and have no confidence in the flesh. Then Paul embarks on this, he gives his example. I was circumcised the eighth day. That's when Jewish boys were supposed to be circumcised, the eighth day after their birth. Israel, I know my tribe. Man, if anybody's a Jew, I'm one. I kept the law. I mean, all these things he talks about. So what's he mean, flesh? Confidence in the flesh. Well, the word flesh is this used in our New Testament. It it means a lot of things, but I'm gonna try to just kind of boil it down for you here. It means our natural perspective apart from Christ. In other words, before I come to Christ, before I know anything about being a Christian, I have my perspective on life. I I might have even my own understanding of what's right and wrong, and maybe it matches Christianity, maybe it doesn't. But I have my own natural perspective, and my own natural perspective, apart from Christ, would be considered flesh, as opposed to spiritual, flesh, spirit, Okay. it's any effort or action that's taken outside of or independent of Christ. We've been talking about this recently as we work the salvation out into our lives. If we take any part of life and set it outside of that and say, okay, God, I, you know, you're, you're good over here. I got this taken care of here. Even though I'm a believer, that's flesh. It's not what God's looking for, as we'll see very clearly. And then anything that we don't submit to God in obedience to His Word and the Spirit's leading. So anything we say no to God about or just ignore God about is flesh. Okay? and like I said, it can look real good in religious circles, but it isn't what God is looking for. And so this is what Paul is saying here. Uh, There are no outward actions or religious activities that will provide us with a relationship with Christ. And so, something that we need to understand, because flesh can be good. Quotation marks for those of you who are listening later. (laughs) It can be good, right? It can look very good. Um, You could come to to church in the flesh if you're coming for the wrong reasons. You're coming because if you don't come, somebody's going to give you a bad time. Or you want people to think you're good so you come to church. Any, any, those kinds of things all be good. But here's what you need to understand. The flesh is not neutral. The flesh is not neutral. These things that uh, approach the life you do, it is not neutral. It is negative. And we see this here in uh, verse number seven. Paul says, but what things were gain to me? And there was all these fleshly things I was doing before I came to Christ. I thought they were good things. I thought they were profitable to me. But he says, what I, he says, these I have counted loss for Christ. And counted means I have reached a conclusion about them, that this is the way they really are. And he uses the word loss. We tend to think of loss as oh, it's gone, right? And Paul's saying, all this stuff I did in my life, it's, it's, now it's, it's just gone and it's no value to me. Well, that's true. But this word loss means more than that. When you go look up the word here, loss, it literally means this. It means damage. It's the idea of a, a bad deal which results in a fine or a penalty. There's a penalty that goes with it. It's damaging. And so Paul is saying that This stuff was damaging to me. I see it now. It was damaging to me. Why? Because it was taking me away from the Lord. It wasn't drawing me into relationship with the Lord. It was was enabling me to live on my own without God. And so all of the good, all of the good that seems to be connected with flesh always comes with a high price tag. Damage, destruction, sorrow, hurt. We could continue down the line. It brings a high price tag. It might look good at the beginning, but it's not. And remember, we talked about this when we were talking about again, this I'm working what God has done on the inside of me out into my life and I'm seeking to live it. And if I keep anything, no matter how good that thing is out from under the Lordship of Christ in my life, at best it's disappointing and at worst it becomes destructive, whatever it is. Doesn't matter how good it looks to other people or to you, okay? And then the flesh may look good, but it's corrupt. It cannot deliver on its promises. He so says, why would we go with the flesh instead of with the Lord? It's because sin is deceptive, and they say, "Hey, this will do this. If you do this, you will be an important person. It's lying to you. Right? If you do this, you will have pleasure, and then it leaves off, but just for a little while till things go really bad. So it, it, it looks good, but it cannot deliver its promises. And so remember, we're still talking about how do we rejoice and we're looking, how do we find satisfaction? And so Paul here's saying, not this stuff. Not this stuff. This will wear you out, exhaust you. So let's continue here, verse eight. He says, yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them, there's that word again, but as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. The word rubbish is interesting, translated from the Greek, which was translated from. It, it really is a combination of two words. One is dog, and the other is throw. Dog and throw. Now, this is not about throwing dogs, okay? But what it is about, it meant, it referred to things that were literally waste that you would throw to those mongrel dogs. Okay? It was like filthy scraps of garbage, good for nothing except to be discarded. And so what is Paul saying? When I, when I look at my life, and I look at you know, uh, what, where I'm going to find my satisfaction, that, that joy and that meaning and purpose is in my relationship with God and all that goes with it, not in this stuff. Anything else, anything that's flesh that's not part of that, is just, it's rubbish. Just get rid of it. Throw it away. It's not worth hanging on to. Remember, it has a penalty attached to it. What if, what if you thought garbage was like cash? Take a scoop, put it in your pocket, <laughs> carry it around for a while. What'd you find out? It's not cash. And it starts to smell really bad and probably soils your pants. I mean, the whole thing, right? And so we've got to remember that that's the way this is. So he says now, he's going to turn the other direction. So what is it that we do need to focus in on? So in verse 8, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, I want to know him. He is excellent. And this knowing, this knowledge he talks about is knowledge that's gained from personal experience. He says, that's what I want. I want that relationship where I experience the Lord and what he's really like. And by the way, where you're going to do that is not outside, it's when you're all in. That's where you're going to begin to experience that relationship with the Lord. And he says, if Christ Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Okay. And he's not talking about being saved. He's talking about something else. But so before I dig back in here. The second idea of rejoicing here. Rejoicing the Lord is a choice to value your relationship with God more than anything the flesh or the world can offer. That's a decision you've got to make. I'm going to value this more than anything else out there. All right. So let's look here. He says. That I may gain Christ. He doesn't mean, boy, I hope I can get saved and have a relationship with him. He doesn't mean that. He means uh, this idea of gain. The word gain here, literally translated, is to exchange something for the better. To trade up. Okay? And so I'm ready. Just so you, I just want to you know, let you guys realize this. Know this in case, just in case. That I'm ready and willing to trade my 2006 Audi A4 Quattro. For a 2023 Corvette. Of any color. That'd be trading up, wouldn't it? Okay. So with this idea with Christ, when we look at all these other things in the world, apart from Christ, uh, how good they look. When I go with Jesus and, and find my satisfaction in him, I'm trading up. I'm getting ahead. Much, much better. All right. The third one here, and let me just give it to you and then we'll talk briefly about it. Rejoicing in the Lord is a choice to purposefully and consistently pursue your personal relationship with Christ until you are consumed with it. We, aren't, we don't start off all consumed. Sometimes we are maybe emotionally, but that usually goes away for a while. But then we keep working until more and more of our life is about Jesus. We've gone all in and we're learning what that means and we're making decisions that way the best we know how. And more and more... Until really there's no part of my life, not perfect, right? But you want to be able to say there's no part of my life that isn't affected now by my relationship with Jesus. It all, it's all touched by it. Okay, I'm being consumed with it. And so here's the idea, a prayer of surrender, you might say. Uh, go ahead and put that up there if you would. This is the idea. This is, Lord Jesus, I want you and my relationship with you to become the greatest reality in my life. Bigger than anything else going on in my life. My relationship with you. I want to know you better in the good and the bad. The easy and the difficult. In life and death. These are the kinds of things Paul talks about in our passage. So I want to live with the reality of your resurrected life and power within me. And what kind of power does it take to raise someone from the dead? That's the power of God I want to experience in my life. I want to experience fully everything you have for me. And then this is where we're really making this all in maybe reminder. Please do whatever it takes in my life to bring this to pass. Maybe we want to scrap that part of this prayer. No. Do whatever it takes in my life to bring this to pass. Because I've already settled this. I'm... I, the, my deepest satisfaction, my rejoicing is in you. And so bottom line here, choosing to rejoice in the Lord and your relationship with him brings genuine joy and eventually greater clarity that you made the right choice. Because as you go through life and you make the decision, I'm going all in with the Lord, and, Man, this is scary. I don't know. It seems pretty risky, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm all in with you and help me. And, and you go through life and upheavals and toss and turn. And, get, and at some point, though, you, you stop and you wait. You look at your life and you said, wow, that was the right choice. It really, really was. And so let me challenge you today. To make a conscious choice to rejoice in the Lord, a conscious choice to go all in, go all in with him, whatever that means. And then make the conscious choice to rejoice in the Lord, find my deepest satisfaction in him and my relationship within him. And if you do that, it will help to keep you surrendering, help to keep you living for the Lord and growing in that day in and day out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and that you speak to us from it. And I pray, Lord, each of us today, the things you've spoken to us, that we would wrestle with those things, that would yield to you in them, try to figure out what they mean in our lives so we can live it out. And uh, we want you to be honored and glorified uh, in us there, Lord. And I do pray if anybody has a question about where they're at in their relationship with you, that they would come and talk so that can be settled for them. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let me check and see if there's questions here. And as I do, let me tell you, we're going to change how we do the questions going forward. Okay. Um, at least for now. Still going to take questions, but what will happen is on Tuesday or um, Wednesday of the following week, I will make a video and post it with the answer to your questions, okay? That'll even give you a little time if you're thinking about it later in the day to come up with a question and send it in, okay? But let's today, let's see. Yes, what does it mean becoming like him in death, conformed? So let's look at this real quick here in verse 10. Paul is talking about this relationship that he wants to have with the Lord, that I may know him, no, I have, want to have this personal relationship where I know him and the power of his resurrection. He wants what the resurrection means to be a reality in his life, that we have a new life. We, we don't have that old life that, that came from sin and death. We have this new living life, this new living life, a resurrected life within us, the new life of Christ in us, okay? And the fellowship of his sufferings. He said, I want to know Christ so well that I understand the sufferings. And I might have to suffer for that to happen, but I want his sufferings. To, I, I want to know him and have that close relationship with him. And so when he says, being conformed to his death, it's the same idea. What was his death about? His death was, you know, it's, it's in the garden praying to the Father. Is there any way this can pass from me? Right? If there's any way it passed me. Please, I don't want but not my will and yours, and what did he do? He went and died. And so when I'm conformed to his death, I reach that point, and it's really kinda of like saying what we said at the end of that statement, even if it kills me. I want a relationship with Christ where I understand what it means to die like he did. And then that last one, that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, he's not talking about I might somehow rather be saved and resurrected He's already saved, he's going to be resurrected. He means here and now that I might really experience this resurrected life in me that's different than the natural life that we all started with. So I think conform to his death is that he wanted to just be so close to Christ that you understand what that means and you're going with him, if need be, okay? All right, thank you, good question, really good question. All right, God bless you. You are dismissed and uh, have a great week living for the Lord.